Hi there, I'm Quinn White, and welcome to But I'm Not an Engineer, the electrical and computer engineering podcast hosted by me, a USC journalism student who was asked to run this show. Will I learn new things? Yes. Will I be confused? Without a doubt. Join me as I talk with members of the ECE community to learn more about their work and the important role ECE is playing in our future. In our first episode, medical imaging expert, Professor Krishnan Nayak, tells us about his work with the ultra-rare new low-field MRI machine installed recently at the Michelson Center. This machine is only one of three of its kind in the entire world and can produce never-before-seen images of the human body. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, my name is Krishna Nayak. I'm a professor of electrical and computer engineering at USC, and my research area is medical imaging. I work specifically on magnetic resonance imaging, which is a technology for taking pictures and movies of organs inside the human body. Awesome. So can you kind of describe to me the ECE approach to problem solving? ECE approach to problem solving. Is their um, approach to problem solving any different or is it unique from other engineering disciplines? What's unique about problem solving is not something, is, it's really in the tools that ECE people use, not necessarily the process. I think the process is common among many engineering disciplines, actually, probably all of them. There's a design iteration process. And even when you've solved it, there's this notion of continuous improvement where you're always refining the technology um, to make the best use of, of what you can do at any given time. You know, our, our human capability is changing all the time. So there's the technology development problem solving process, and then there's a the technology maintenance process, which are engineering. I think that's common to all of the disciplines, not just ECE. What I wanna get across in my answer is that ECE has a its own set of tools. So in my work, I do a lot of analysis and manipulation of signals. I think about I think about signals a lot and in the context of what I work on, which is medical imaging, I think about signals going into and out of the human body. And that's how we can make pictures of the human body. We send signals in in the form of electromagnetic energy. And then we receive signals out also in the form of electromagnetic energy. And then we can interpret those and make these beautiful pictures of the brain and the heart and the, the joints. Um, so what's unique about the ECE process in my uh, daily work is that I'm using these concepts, which are central to electrical computer engineering training. And all of our undergraduates and most of our graduate students get trained in in some aspects of signal and image processing, which is central to what I do. That was a long-winded answer to your question, Quinn. Sorry about that. Oh, it's totally okay. Um, I appreciate it. Um, so I read that your lab focuses on MRI technology, and um, I was I was actually there when you guys got that new, um, really ultra-rare kind of MRI machine, and it was really cool, and I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> And honestly, yeah. I never really realized that there was such a strong connection between um, electrical and computer engineering in the medical field. So can you mm -hmm. tell me more about the, that role 
that um, electrical and computer engineering has in the medical field. Sure. Um, well, it was great that you could be there on installation day of the MRI scanner. I remember meeting you there. Um, it was a big day for us because it is a very rare, special piece of equipment. And, um, you know, when they, when they crane in uh, a multi-ton <laughs> magnet uh, into a building, it's always in a kind of an impressive event. Um, your, your broader question was about the role of electrical computer engineering in healthcare. And I think it's enormous. Um, you, you've, I think most of the listeners of your podcast have, have been to a doctor's office or a hospital. Uh, I mean, there's equipment everywhere. There's uh, electrical equipment everywhere, things that are used to record, um, analyze, um, assist in detection of, of different things that relate to human, normal human function and also disease. Um, but yeah, ECE technology is, is literally everywhere. In terms of medical diagnostics, and disease monitoring, um, ECEs have um, have been responsible for a lot of the algorithms that are used to to do diagnostics. So, I can comment most particularly about imaging uh, or or sensing. If you think about um, wearable monitors that are that are um, that now help patients um, do a lot more of their own self monitoring at home, like the these uh, monitors that mon that keep track of your cardiac waveforms if you have an intermittent arrhythmia, um, or the devices that are used to help monitor sleep apnea that can now be be taken home routinely. These are uh, largely developed by electrical engineers. Um, you also have technology for taking pictures of the body. So, for example, um, computed tomography, which involves taking X-rays from many different angles around a around a human to create these really high resolution, beautiful pictures of the internal organs. That's um, an ECE technology. Uh, a good bit of magnetic resonance imaging has come from ECE. The way that we design the pulses that go into the body and, and how do we interpret signals that come out. Um, ultrasound, I mean, I could go on and on, but almost all the medical imaging modalities have had a deep impact from ECE. Can you um, kind of tell me about how this work is going to impact our communities and our society now and in the future? Do you mean the work in uh, in general or the work that, with this new low field scanner? I guess with this new low field scanner, I think that's really interesting. Honestly, I've never seen anything like that before. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I from what I learned when I was there, and from what I've read that this um, kind of technology is really like really new and really kind of rare. So I'm really mm -hmm. interested in knowing what this kind of means for, for our, our community. Our work impacts the community in many ways. Um, some of our existing projects are aimed at making better versions of current MRI tests. And I'll give you two examples. We have a large project right now to make an MRI test that um, evaluates the heart. And this is really important in people that report chest pain um, on exertion, which is you know, uh, a very important thing for doctors to follow up on because heart disease is, is the leading cause of death and um, it's important for to work up patients efficiently. And 
many of the current tests um, in this in the workup involve some sort of a ionizing radiation or involve some sort of a chemical that needs to be injected that has some negative impact on the kidneys. And so um, one of our projects is to develop a new and safer version of this test that does not require any radiation or contrast agents. So if that project is successful, it could be really huge. It'll um, create a safer way to evaluate patients with, uh, with chest pain, and it'll particularly be helpful for people that have kidney failure. And right now, about 10% of America has chronic kidney disease, and about a little bit more than half a million Americans have end-stage kidney disease, which is the, you know, the, the, the worst stage of kidney disease. We also have a project that is developing better and a better MRI test for patients with brain tumors. So these are people that are very sick, and they are usually on complicated and expensive therapies that also have lots of side effects. And so we're trying to, we are in the, trying to develop a test, an MRI-based test that will determine if the if their treatment is working or not, so that they can more quickly be switched to a different treatment or different regimen that maybe has less side effects or has a better chance of working in that particular patient. So if that is successful, it'll it would also have a big impact on the management of patients that are really sick. So those those clearly have impact in people's lives. The other big project, which is kind of a new new venture, is towards imaging at lower magnetic field strengths. That was the scanner that you saw get kind of installed, dropped into the basement of the Mickelson building. Um, that has a lot of potential. Um, it's a it's a new new-ish um, MRI platform. And it can take MRI to places where MRI currently isn't. That's, that's what makes it more disruptive, more exciting as a, as a possible game changer. Right now, MRI is mostly used to evaluate diseases of the brain, of the joints, of the spine. Um, with this new, new magnet, we think we can do a lot better imaging of the heart and of the lungs and of the body in motion. The heart and lungs have traditionally been a problem for MRI because of some because of some distortions and also because they they move a lot you know the the human that you're trying to scan is always breathing and their heart's always beating and so that movement um, creates a complication that we think will be um, will be less of a problem at, at this new on this new scanner and we also want to image um, the parts of the body that move so for instance the the upper airway vocal tract when you're speaking or swallowing or, or sleeping, um, your joints. A lot of people have um, movement issues that require imaging of parts of their body while they're actually moving. Uh, we believe this new scanner could, could basically take MRI to a whole new set of uh, domains where it's not widely used right now. Um, the, other, the other opportunity is that this new scanner, if, if we're able to pull it off, could also be less expensive, substantially less expensive and easier to cite. So right now, a big barrier in MRI is, um, is cost and, and access. Uh, scanners are expensive, more than a million dollars. They're very heavy, you know, and they also uh, are dependent on some special chemicals like uh, liquid helium. Um, and so, a futuristic scanner that is not so uh, resource intense could have a, a big impact on on the world because it could make MRI be easily more easily deployed 
in, in remote settings and, and things like that. It could improve access to, to the MRI technology that would also have a great impact on the community. Uh, one thing I'm also excited about is the potential for MRI as a screening tool. Right now, MRI is, it is very expensive. So it's almost exclusively used in people where you already know there's a problem that you need to work up. But MRI is extremely safe. It's got no, no uh, exposure effects that we know about. It makes it really exciting platform for, for prevention and screening. And I'm particularly interested in things like uh, body composition assessment to um, identify uh, people at risk for uh, diabetes and obesity. I'm also very interested in um, screening potentially for lung cancer, which is something that we might be able to do better on this new magnet. These are uh, places where you might want to um, screen people who are asymptomatic um, and therefore um, the, the test itself has to be inexpensive in order to make it feasible. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So can you tell me about, um, this is kind of in line what we were just talking about, but what is the role that your work might play in addressing societal issues such as access to healthcare and other big issues? Um, so a lot of the access issues depend on, on stuff that we do in academics, but also depend on partnerships with industry because industry is what ultimately brings some of this technology to the marketplace and um, can help address some of the the um, the major cost issues that that medical imaging currently has. So by demonstrating, uh, by demonstrate developing and demonstrating high performance, high imaging quality on lower field scanners, we are doing a huge part in helping that because that will give the give evidence to industry that. Um, that such a scanner that is cheaper to manufacture and deploy uh, actually produces adequate quality for diagnostic imaging. So that's one, um, one important thing we do. One, one aspect of, of our societal issues is, is health disparities. And um, we do have enormous health disparities in our, in our society. You know, these are there for many different things, heart disease in particular, kidney disease, uh, lung cancer, um, these are not things that uh, treat all citizens equally. What we do also in our scientific studies that use MRI is that we, we often focus on, on underserved populations that are bearing the brunt of some of our healthcare crises. So what excites you the most about the future of medical imaging? Um, so what excites me all the time <laughs> is just I'm just amazed that we can take pictures of inside the human body. So I, I should tell you that, like, I've been working on medical imaging for, you know, 25 years, and it still amazes me that we can take these crystal clear pictures of internal organs without making any incisions. So I, you know, if you, if listeners can just think about that for a second, right, we're taking incredibly high resolution pictures routinely um, without making any cuts. It's, it's mind blowing. The other thing that excites me is that imaging over the past 20 years or so has profoundly changed healthcare. It's allowed doctors to treat 
individual patients in a, in a personalized way, right? Pers you hear these buzzwords, personalized precision medicine. Um, that's that's in enabled in large part by imaging. We can take specific pictures of abnormalities so you know exactly where it is, exactly how big it is. You can track it over time and, and tailor how you manage individual patients. Looking to the future, I just see like this is, there's just so much to do. There's so many, um, there's so much untapped potential. I, I just see like the, the, the amount of possibilities just keeps growing. <laughs> so um, that's also very exciting. We're exploring low field heavily at USC, but there's so many other, other things that are also uh, exciting and are being explored by other laboratories that could take imaging also to the next level. What advice would you give to students who are interested in pursuing medical imaging? Um, so if you're interested in medical imaging, I would urge you to follow your passion. <laughs> so uh, the way you do that is by, you know, absorbing any material that you can get your hands on that's related to it. You know, if you're interested in medical imaging in the context of a specific disease, learn about that disease, learn about that organ, um, you know, make friends with people that are pushing the envelope in the non-engineering side of these things, maybe like a physiology people, phys physiologists or medical doctors, so you can learn all aspects of, of what you're interested in. I guess if I were to give a finishing thought, it's just if you can find these problems and work on them, you can, you can have a great impact on the world. And I've personally found that the field of medical imaging was a great match for me. And um, I think that was partially because I really enjoy um, working with pictures, with images. Uh, I find it very rewarding. I also personally really enjoy working on stuff related to health. And I also find the, the mathematics that's involved in medical imaging to be quite beautiful. Um, and uh, so, if you enjoy math, I definitely encourage you to to look in the signal processing series of courses and see if you see if you find the same beauty. Um, but regardless of what it is, I mean, there's just so many problems waiting to be solved, and um, always looking for more talented individuals to come and join the teams to solve these problems. And it, um, you know, the the magic comes when you find a, a set of problems that really resonates with you and that you get super excited about. Uh, and I, I hope everybody listening to this podcast can find um, a technology that they love to work on as much as, as, much as I love to work on, on MRI. You just heard the first ever episode of But I'm Not an Engineer. To listen to future episodes of this podcast, visit uscece.podbean.com or just search But I'm Not an Engineer on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow usc.ece on Instagram to stay up to date on new episodes, as well as other exciting projects from the Electrical and Computer Engineering Labs. For the Viterbi School of Engineering, I'm Quinn White. Thanks again for listening.